0: the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harky Group, Scott Harky.
1: Okay, it's time for the Rebrand Podcast, where, as you know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers, the people in the trenches, building them, working on them and getting better every day. I'm your founder of the Harky Group, Scott Harky. And today we're going to hear about why copying national brand strategies is not the key to success. Joining us is Andrew Shulkin, who is the digital strategist and web developer at Andigo New Media, which helps B2B marketers find the most productive mix of digital tools to support their brand and sales growth over time. All right, today, Andrew and I are going to discuss why SMBs should not copy national brand strategies. Look, I know sometimes we fall into the trap on the show of talking about the big brands and like throwing out like Patagonia and Starbucks and McDonald's, but let's hear while those strategies don't work. I'm sure there's reasons and things and tactics and strategies of things that do work, but what is not going to work? All right, here's my conversation with Andrew Shulkin, The Digital strategist and Web Developer at Andigo New Media. Okay, what is not working for small business owners in terms of like when we copy national brand strategies? So let's jump into it. I'd love to hear it.
2: Well, let's see. Certainly for the folks that we work with most frequently, which are B2B small businesses, you know, there is a real gap between expectations and sort of what advertising and marketing look like for a small business as opposed to a national consumer brand and, you know, ideas about there being humor or incredibly high production values or all sorts of things that the national brands you just sort of take for granted and not that we shouldn't try to emulate them in some ways. You know, people really are comfortable with things that meet their expectations. But you're not playing to your own strengths, which typically are going to be focused on the areas of personalization and authenticity. So trying to make yourself seem like you're much bigger than you are is typically a mistake just for those two reasons
1: alone. You think as small business and B2B marketers maybe try to flex a little bit too much and try to act maybe bigger than they are and they're they're missing out on what you said is personalization. Help me understand maybe a little bit more. I mean, what does personalization look like and what tactics apply?
2: Yeah, here's something that is not, strictly speaking, marketing or branding. Although I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, just about every touch point that you have with a prospect or even a client, there's marketing and your brand is underlying that. I was sitting in a nationally known feeder program or or introductory program for a small business mentoring group. And the person who was leading this is talking to a bunch of small businesses, all not necessarily solopreneurs. I think you had to have employees to qualify for the program, but small companies, no question about it. And he was talking about how he felt that you've got to walk the walk if you wanna make it. And one of those things that he pointed out was you're not the president of the company, you're not a digital strategist, as you know, I use my title. You're the CEO. And it took everything in me not to you know, walk out right then or or not to raise my hand shouting. Like, I hear someone who I know is running a business that has three employees and he or she calls him or or herself, the CEO, and my BS detector goes off. And I want to know what else they're overselling. What else are they not really telling me the truth about? And that's a terrible place to be as a small business. People know who you really are and what you really do. And you should certainly... Have you know processes and systems in place, like the big boys do, so that you can recreate very easily the success you have with one client with another client, but I don't think you know trying to be something that you're not in that way is a, a viable strategy, something that's not going to come back to bite you. Does that help explain
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. that helps me understand what you're talking about, and I agree, and I think it is a fine balance between truly being authentic to where you are in your company's growth cycle. And it's okay if you're in startup mode or if you're super small, like all those things can play to your advantage. And I think human beings are really smart at detecting bullshit. Very, very smart. And the moment you go too far into that camp, I think you're fried, especially in B2B. But I will say that I do think there's something that brands, even small business or B2B if they have some aspirational goals and if they have some aspirational brand positioning, that if done the right way can still kind of, quote unquote, outpunch their punching class. And so what does that balance look like to you? Or am I wrong? (laughs) I might be wrong.
2: No, I think you're absolutely right. And being aspirational, I think, is absolutely the right way to go, particularly if you're thinking of trying to push beyond going from a lifestyle business into a funded startup kind of a thing where, you know, there's an exit possibility there. The first thing that came to mind as you were talking about that was visual design, that's sort of the very basics of branding. And I hesitate to talk about that too much because I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that their logo is their brand, which of course is not the case. I think being aspirational there and really investing a lot of money in thinking about what your brand is and how you can evoke that and manifest that in the visuals because a lot is keyed off of that. Do things just feel right to your audience, right? Most of your audience isn't conversant in the language of of graphic design and they're just gonna react to your brand, the visual embodiment of your brand, in a way that is, you know, almost subconscious, right? And that's fine, but you want them to feel like, hey, this this feels right. So investing money there, I think that that's a, a great place to be aspirational, pretending that you're so much bigger than you are, I think in ways that calling your office the home office, or, you know, we used to joke about Antigua World Headquarters, you know, our one office in New York, but we never did that, you know, seriously. We never, you know, sat in a meeting doing that. And I think there are a lot of folks who are, who are doing that. But the aspirational part of, what your message is, mission, vision, values, the real core of the brand, swing for the fences there. I think people will respect that, especially if you follow through on the real meat of that in how your clients experience working with you.
1: So I think we've landed into a really interesting topic, and I want to be transparent to my audience where I have as a B2B brand and, and a multitude of brands fell into a trap of trying to seem bigger than I am, and that we were at the time. And I think one thing that I've noticed about human beings, and I think it's a weird thing to notice, but a lot of human beings, and myself included, like we can be very superficial people. And you see a lot of people in especially B2B sales, and especially in professional services, lawyers, accountants, financial planners, investment people. I think Mortgage, you know, those larger than life kind of personalities can do really well at times. And I think, as you've seen, other big power brands like Goldman Sachs of the world or the big kind of bold, heavy masculine kind of energy brands can do really well. So, how do people not fall into the trap? And are we kidding ourselves? Can it sometimes be successful, even though it is a little maybe gray area deceitful or maybe just flat out deceitful?
2: The last part of that is pretty easy to address. If you're, you know, being deceitful, you're making a huge mistake, you're going to get found out. Yeah. And that's just, we don't even need to go there. But in terms of sort of the rest of that question, I think uh, I'll come back to this, you know, idea of authenticity, particularly this concept of, you know, masculinity. The, the, the person who came to mind as you said that was Gary Vee, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's a hyper-masculine guy and a hyper-masculine brand. And, you know, I know... What over the, all the years that I've been in business, how people tend to react to me and what they say about me, you know, later on after having worked with me for years. And if I decided to start cursing my head off, you know, they would not expect that, that that's not what their expectation is of me, and they would not react well to it. You know, that's just not how I generally work with folks. So, yeah, I, I think those brands do tend to get a lot of attention, but there are a lot of other brands that do really well. Also, and I think it's important to recognize that you're probably, as a small business, not playing on that same stage. If you're in a business like ours, web development content marketing, it's incredibly fragmented. There are a lot of folks out there, and it's really hard to break through the noise. Mm-hmm. If you were the one Gary V in that space, you're going to do really well, no, no question about it. And that's probably part of the reason why he has risen to the heights he has, but there isn't that same expectation and people aren't going to be experiencing your brand in that way, not while they're sitting around, you know, watching football games on Sunday or something like that. So uh, it's a a much different experience to, you know, in terms of where they're seeing your brand, how they're interacting with their brand and what kind of mindset they're in as they're doing that. And I think that if you want to, you know, take a softer approach, a quieter approach, that can work just as well. I don't think that the, the big brands that do it in that way necessarily are a path to emulate. I'm trying to think of less in-your-face brands that, that do really well on the, on the national stage.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, and I, I don't know why I'm trying to maybe just pick an argument here or something, because I'm on your side on this argument. But I also want to highlight something that maybe I struggle with and something that I think about as a marketer, which is we want to be positioned authentically as brands. And I think that is 100% the right strategy and we want to have confidence in the segment that we play in and, and even in our quirky personalities as a brand or as a human being, as a personal brand or as a, as a company brand or as a human being. Like we want to feel comfortable and confident in our quirks. And I think that is very endearing. And I think that absolutely works and businesses should play to that. I also think that as I've seen, especially people in the B2B space be very successful with even some superficialness to their brand, whether it's, I think as one example, I think entertainment in terms of B2B brands and high-end entertainment is some of the best marketing that you can do. I think it provides intimacy for a client and partner. And so I'm a big fan of entertainment dollars. And I've heard for every $1 you spend in, in entertaining clients, it comes back, you know, 5 six, ten $6, $10. I've heard a bunch of different stats. And so how do we maybe give a nod or even accept that there are, you know, parts of our job or parts of marketing or parts of sales or parts of human beings selection emotionally and attaching with brands emotionally has some superficial nature to it. And that some people can position in that manner and be successful. And it might not be your strategy, but I have seen it work. So to say it doesn't work, I don't know if that's correct, too. And I think we're 100% aligned that any deceitfulness or completely just flat out lying or playing way above your weight or, you know, saying things that are just stretching the truth in major way, you're going to get fried long term. I think you're just bringing up a good point based on this topic. Any thoughts or maybe disagreement or? Yeah, no, I'd love to disagree with you because that
2: makes for, you know, good podcasting. But All right, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, first all, I'll say that I disagree with this idea of entertainment somehow being phony in some way, right? Like there are different things that you should be trying to do to create that human connection, right? People buy from people, even if it's B2B, it's you know, there's one person on one end and another person on the other and you've got to make that connection. Now, if you're a, you know, a three person web development firm and you start offering clients, you know, tickets to the impossible to get Taylor Swift show for their kids, I'm going to question whether I might be paying you too much. I think there are ways to entertain that that are authentic and, and, you know, sort of fit the brand of the small business. And there are ways to that, that don't do that. But yeah, making that human connection, I think that that really gets back to what's underlying this whole conversation, right? Like that's just the key to what we're doing with brand and, and marketing.
1: A hundred percent, especially in B2B. I do think the the term my last guest used, which I just thought was amazing, was intimacy. Maybe I'm just completely jaded because I just got back from Cannes and it was like, what ad agency holding company had a bigger yacht and a bigger thing on Facebook Beach and who got into what party and what CMOs were getting wind and dined at what places and what celebrity could arrive. I mean, you had Rihanna, Beyonce, <laughs> Julian Edelman and like stars and it's this global, you know, advertising thing. I just look at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like our industry is is insane, kind of. So maybe I'm a little jaded in that, but I see people who do great work as small businesses, I do think it's about doing the right work, doing good work, getting known for good work, getting referrals from your client, doing the blocking and tackling that gets stuff done, and building, you know, uh, really, really key relationships. And being the small person, and at least in the agency business, I think is a benefit. Personally, I tend to win most agency pitches that I'm the smallest agency, and I tend to lose the ones that I'm the biggest agency. So. I think especially for our agency people or ad tech or people in your line of work as professionals, I, I do think being small can be a huge asset. So saying you have you know, four offices because you have remote workers and you know, seven employees is not going to work, obviously.
2: I think the only thing that just came to mind is you know, this old saying, and it doesn't really apply anymore, but you know, back in the day in the tech world, people used to say, well, no one ever got fired for buying Microsoft. Like that was the safe choice. And you don't have that as a small business. You're not the 400 pound gorilla. You can't market as if you are, you can't, you know, walk in with that kind of, I don't know, I'll call it confidence or maybe it's hubris or, you know, whatever. You're just not in that position. And I think your marketing really has to reflect that as a small business.
1: I agree. And and my favorite tagline for any small business that, that is a national brand that I think certainly works for small brands is, I've brought this up in pitches before and it's, it's just the Avis, we just try harder. You know, like I use that all the time. It's like, look, Avis became really successful because they flat out just said they're going to try harder. And I think a lot of small businesses can use that to our advantage. That's very endearing in a world where people seem to get let down a lot. I think that obviously they, they connected a human truth there that certainly rang true. But talking about on the website and you talked about personalization, your digital strategist, web developer, Any sort of trends in in that world of AI and personalization and web development that, that small businesses should be considering or looking at or things that you're seeing quite a bit or implementing with a lot of your clients? Let's see. I mean, AI is obviously the phrase of the day. It's not Web 3.0 anymore. Now it's AI. <laughs> right,
2: exactly. Well, I'm sure we're not the, the only voice uh, out in the woods sc- screaming in the other direction, but we're very cautious about it. I mean, just this morning, I read about Sarah Silverman and a couple of other authors are, are you know, they have a suit of copyright infringement claims. We've fr- talked to folks who are colleagues at bigger agencies who have bigger clients and those bigger clients have put in or are trying to put language into their agreements saying AI is not allowed. Because they're very worried about, you know, these copyright claims and other issues, which I can't say that that's a trend. I've heard it from two different folks, but there is a concern out there. And, you know, there's always that trough right after the, you know, these last four or five months have been just insane. I, I, you know, I've been doing technology since 1993, basically, and I've never seen anything grow this fast and become not just in the tech world, but culturally, right? It's being talked about everywhere. So that's sort of fascinating. I think small businesses, there are a lot of ways to use it in your processes in terms of generating content, ideas, generating contents, you, you know, you're going to adapt and use in other ways, but turning over processes in Toto to, uh, you know, a, a completely algorithm-driven or a large language model-driven system I would be very cautious about. We're not doing that with any of our clients. We're not doing it with ourselves. We're playing around with a lot of different things, but we're not. We're not doing that. And I I think that, you know, more than just the the marketing, you know, there's all sorts of fascinating things, again, that we're playing with, but not fully committed to in in terms of, you know, generating contracts and agreements or, you know, just sort of other administrative things that AI seems to be really good at.
1: That's fascinating. So here's what we're going to do. I have a bunch of web questions now, you know, with so many different platforms out there, plug and play Shopify. I mean, there's just a ton of misinformation out there about website development and SEO. And it just seems to be an area technically that I think there's less expertise, I will say in the world. So I'd I'd love to do this. I I like to tease our audience out a little bit. So we come back for the second episode. What I want to do is I want to end here Let's bring you back for another episode of the Rebrand Podcast. We're going to end it right here. Big thanks to Andrew Shulkin, digital strategist and web developer at Andigo New Media for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Andrew and I are going to discuss how to build a SMB marketing machine. I'll get into the the web digital questions. I mean, everything you want to know about personalization and and building a a cash register, especially on the digital side, I know Andrew is going to be really helpful. So we're going to ask him a ton of questions. We're going to have him back can't wait till next episode you want to find out more you can find him on twitter andrew and that's s c h u l k i n d or visit their company website at a n d i g o.com that's a n d i g o.com another note i want to tell you about look anything you want about the show or you want notes or you heard something interesting we're going to have it all on the rebrandpod.com so go there it's like your home for everything you want to know about the podcast you want to play to be a guest You want speaker information, you want LinkedIn profiles, you want show notes, you want episodes, it's all there. And of course, you can find me on all the social handles. It's just at Scott Harky, pretty easy to find. We're building up that at rebrand pod. We'll probably start doing more social content that are rebrand pod specific down the road. But for now, it's just kind of hanging there. So feel free to follow, but better find me just at Scott Harky. All right, that's it for today. But remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.